ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلوات الله وسلامه عليه اما بعد يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارham ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما ثم اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله واحسن الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر امور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار ثم اما بعد الحمد لله على نعمه الاسلام والسنه all praise and thanks belong to allah for guiding us to islam and for guiding us to the sunnah alhamdulillah we continue going over the tremendous book by the fadil to shaykh al alama imam imam bin baz rahimahullahu ta'ala the book which is entitled durus al muhimma li'amati al ummah the book which is entitled important lessons for the general masses of the ummah we have reached the statement of imam bin baz rahimahullahu ta'ala and we're still on the section which is dealing with the categories of at tawhid we have reached the statement of the the author wa amma tawhid al asma'i wa sifat فهو الايمان بكل ما ورد في في القران الكريم او الاحاديث الصحيحه من اسماء الله وصفاته واثباتها لله وحده على الوجه اللائق به جل وعلا translated means that as far as at-tawhid al-asma'i wa-sifat as far as the tawhid that is dealing with the names and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then verily what it is is it is the iman it is the belief and everything that has come has been narrated inside of the noble quran and everything that has come inside of the noble quran or it has come in the ahadith as-sahiha or it has come in the authentically reported hadith on the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam as relates to the names and the attributes of Allah that we affirm them for Allah alone 
upon a manner that is befitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That in general, in a nutshell, this is uh, the definition you can say for the tawheed of al-asma'i or sifat. And inshallah ta'ala, we're going to, over these next few classes, go into more depth and detail as relates to this particular category of at-tawheed. Ala kulli hal, this class today, we could say, is an introduction to this particular category, bithnilahi uh, ta'ala. The Fadilat al-Shaykh, Shaykh Abdul Razaq bin Shaykh Abdul Muhsin, al-Badr, hidhuhumullahu ta'ala, he mentions here commenting upon this particular portion of which we heard from the text of this tremendous book. He mentions ma'na meaning an nuwahid Allah bi asma'ihi bi asma'ihi wa sifati meaning that we single out Allah alone as relates to his names and as relates to his attributes, that we single out Allah alone, as relates to his names, and as relates to who, to his attributes. And again, bihnilahi ta'ala, we will go into more depth and more detail as relates to this particular concept, so that it is clearer uh, for the listener, inshallah ta'ala, so that it is clearer for the seeker of truth, Bithnilahi ta'ala And the like Naam The Shaykh goes on To mention And To give us more depth and detail And Nuthabbita lahu Tabarak wa ta'ala Al-asma al-husna Wa-sifat al-ulya Al-lati athbataha Li-nafsihi fi kitabih That we affirm that we affirm for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his beautiful names and his lofty attributes of which he has affirmed them for himself inside of his book. أو أثبتها له رسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم في سنته or that have been affirmed unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, by his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam inside of his sunnah al-wajh al-la'iq bi-jalalillah azza wa jal in a manner that befits the nobility and majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala li-anna idhafat al-hadhi al-asma'i والصفات التي تقتضي اختصاصه بها على حد قوله تبارك وتعالى ليس كمثله شيء وهو السميع البصير and this is because our affirming these names and attributes unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the way and the manner in which we affirm them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then verily it is that which is necessitated 
by Allah Ta'ala statement it is in a manner that is specific in a manner that is specific yani, uh, uh, as affirmed and outlined by Allah Ta'ala statement as it could be found in Surah Ashura in his verse number 11 and I want everyone bithnilahi ta'ala to grab a mushaf na'am and to or if they have the app or whatever the case is to pull up this ayah bithnilahi ta'ala because this ayah is very very important as relates to this particular topic this ayah is of extreme importance as relates to this topic and this ayah it gives us the framework by way in which we will mold our belief in the names and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is Allah ta'ala's statement, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ الْبَصِيرِ That there is nothing that is like Him. There is nothing that is like Him. Meaning there is nothing that is like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَهُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْبَصِيرُ And he is the all-hearer, the all-seer. And he is the all-hearer, the all-seer. Naam, again, this is from Surah Ashura, and it's verse number 11. This ayah is of extreme importance. As uh, the Fadil to Shaykh, Shaykh Sulaiman al-Ruhayli, Hidhullahu Ta'ala, he mentions, as uh, Sheikh Suleiman al-Ruhayli, Hafizahullah Ta'ala, he mentions that Kullu aqeedah fi al-asma'i wa-sifat fi hadihi al-ayah That all of the aqeedah, all of the creed, as relates to the names and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it is found here in this ayah. This ayah here, this is the rule. This is the principle. As relates to how we properly believe in the names and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is, uh, as is clear here in this ayah, that we negate that there is anything that is like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That we negate that there is anything like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we negate from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala any type of deficiency, any type of shortcoming. This is negated from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this can be seen inside of Allah ta'ala's statement, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He negates that there is nothing that is like Him. Naam. And this is very important point to understand and to realize that there is nothing like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also here in this ayah, we find an affirmation that we affirm to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that which he has affirmed yani, to himself and that which his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has affirmed to him. So, here in the ayah, Allah ta'ala, he says, وَهُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْبَصِيرُ And he is the all-hearer, the all-seer. Naam, and he is the all-hearer, the all-seer. It is important to note, as Shaykh Saleh Abd Aziz Al Shaykh he mentions that these two attributes here, or the two, yani, uh, faculties of hearing and seeing, this is something that the majority of living beings they share these two faculties to some extent. 
Nam, they share these two faculties to some extent. And this is why, <clears throat> as uh, Shaykh Uthaymeen mentioned, and we mentioned this before, we'll mention it now, and, and again, mentions that what is negated from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that anything is like Him. Nam. However, you will have a similarity sometimes in the name. But there is nothing that has perfection in the names and the attributes except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here we find an example of this. As Samir, that Allah ta'ala, He is the all hearer. Naam. Now, are there creatures that hear, human beings hear, the canines hear, the, you know, so on and so forth. Naam. Have hearing, they hear to an extent. But amongst creation, amongst creation, and this is the lower example and for Allah is the higher example. Amongst creation, is our hearing the same? Do we hear the same way that a dog hears? Do we hear the same way that a cat hears? No. There are hearing that is better than other hearing. So the dog, they hear, their hearing is better than the hearing of a human being, for example. To the end of it. Do we see? Naam, human beings can see. Animals can see. Is the sight of a human being the same as the sight of an eagle, for example? No, the sight of an eagle is better. Is the sight of a human being the same as the sight of yani, a mole or, or what have you, or so on and so forth? Eh, the humans, they can see. Naam, the humans, they can see. And the like. Right and the like. This is just an example, right? Uh, that humans can see uh, better than some animals, and some animals see better than what human beings. Alakulihal, there is nothing that is like Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Meaning that what there is nothing that has perfect, that it has perfection as relates to sight. Except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah ta'ala, He is the all-seeing. Nothing sees uh, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, hearing. Nothing hears like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is perfect in His hearing. Likewise, Sheikh Sulaiman al-Ruhayli, He brings an example of mercy. Naam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He describes himself with the characteristic of mercy, with the attribute of mercy, Naam, and that he shows mercy. There are created things that show mercy and are merciful, right? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is perfect in his mercy. The mother will have mercy for her children, right? But... The mercy of the mother is what is deficient, is deficient, is not perfect. Likewise, the Shaykh he mentions, the ruler may show justice, because we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is the all just. Naam. There may be a ruler who shows justice, but the manner in which the ruler shows justice is what is deficient. Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is perfect, he is perfect. In his justice. So the names and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we believe in them 
upon a manner that is befitting to the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is perfect in His names and His attributes. He is perfect in His names and in His attributes. There is no deficiency in the and 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 the attributes of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala nor on the names of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala there is no deficiency in it and there is nothing that is like Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala as relates to this so we do not give that which is specific from the names and the attributes to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what is meant by we single out Allah alone as relates to his names and his attributes that we do not attribute perfection in these attributes to anything except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Naam? So on and so forth. And where we get this principle from, where we can extract these guidelines from is here from this verse. Laysa kemiflihi shay, wa huwa al basir. That there is nothing that is like him, and he is the all hearer, the all seer. He is the all hearer, the all seer, the one who hears everything and he sees everything. And the mention of these two attributes here is from the standpoint of giving an example. It is not from the standpoint of being a restriction. This is just an example as these are yani, two uh, from the names and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So again, we stress that this ayah is very important because those who have gone astray, those who have gone astray, they have gone astray because they do not understand this ayah. They have gone astray because they do not understand this ayah. Naam. Also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says in His noble book, so as to show us that we do not give the attributes that are specific to Allah, meaning we do not claim perfection, that anyone has any type of perfection in any which way, shape, and form. It only belongs into Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and He is unrivaled in this. He is unrivaled in this. Allah ta'ala, He says in His noble book, as it can be found in Surah Maryam, in His verse 65, Allah ta'ala, He says, هَلْ تَعْلَمُ لَهُ And do you know that He has uh, anything that is similar to Him? And do you know that He has something that is similar unto Him? This ayah, this ayah here, as Imam Sa'di, he points out in his tafsir that here in this ayah, this question here, this question is not a question that requires or is looking for an answer. Naam, it's not a question that is that requires or is looking for an answer. Naam, but rather it is a question so as to establish a negation. It is a question that establishes a negation. Naam. So here, Imam Sa'di he mentions, nafi. That this question, what it means is, is a negation. And do you know of anyone who is similar to him? Meaning, why? Because no, there is nothing similar to him. This is what is to establish. There is nothing that is similar unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning that there is nothing like 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is nothing that is like Allah or co-equal to Allah or comparable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah azza wa jal, he has no partners with him. Naam. And where do we go back to further establish this is where? Laysa kamithlihi shay. That there is nothing that is like him. There is nothing whatsoever that is like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Naam. And Allah Ta'ala statement And that there is nothing that is like him There is nothing that is similar There is nothing that is like him Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And bithni lahi ta'ala We will uh, go into more depth uh, uh, About this uh, particular ayah at the time, inshallah ta'ala, as, as, as it comes, um, shortly after this, it is mentioned and reiterated. So, bithnilahi ta'ala, we will go into more depth and detail at that time. So, we'll leave that until then, inshallah ta'ala. Right. Also, Allah ta'ala, he says inside of his noble book, فَلَا تَضْرِبُوا لِلَّهِ الْأَمْثَالِ and do not set up similitudes or do not set up uh, likenesses for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, this is negating what that, that Allah ta'ala, he has something that is like him. Do not set up things, yeah, making them rival into Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Naam. Imam Sa'adi rahmatullah alayhi, he mentions about this ayah. <coughs> Meaning that we do not set up Making co-equal between Allah and between His creation That we do not say that, they, that there's anything from Allah's creation That is equal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Now, when you think about the people who fall into shirk as relates to this, then you will see, you will come to understand that they make equal others along with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Naam, they make equal others along with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, bithnilahi ta'ala, we'll talk a little more about this shortly. Allah ta'ala, in Surah Al-Baqarah, He says in, in, the, 20, in the 22nd ayat of Surah Al-Baqarah, فَلَا تَجْعَلْ فَلَا فَلَا تَجْعَلُوا لِلَّهِ أَنْدَادًا And do not make for Allah rivals. Do not make for Allah rivals. Naam. And this is similar in meaning to the aforementioned ayah فَلَا تَضْرِبُوا لِلَّهِ الْأَمْثَالِ And do not make for Allah likenesses. Yeah? Or those who are co-equals and the like. And this ayah can be found in Surah An-Nahl in his verse 74. Verse 74 from Surah An-Nahl. Going back to the ayah from Surah Al-Baqarah. And again, it's ayah number 22. It's ayah number 22 in Surah Al-Baqarah. Allah Ta'ala, he says, And do not set up rivals with Allah. Do not set up rivals with Allah. Imam Sa'di, he mentions, he says, a nuvara, meaning that you 
say that things are like Allah or you make things similar unto Allah. Remember we mentioned it. We're going to come back to it. Huh? That making things similar to Allah, everyone who falls into shirk as relates to this affair, they make things similar to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Give an example. Like those who they have khawf sir they have a hidden fear for their awliya who are dead in a grave. They have a hidden fear as if their awliya know what they're doing, as if their awliya know from the unseen. You understand? These are individuals who are dead. They're dead. They're cut off from this life. They don't know what goes on now. They don't know what a person is doing. Ma'am, even a human being who's alive, if they're not present there with you, they don't know what you're doing. They don't know what you're saying. They can't hear you. They can't see you. You understand? If, 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 if they're not present, if they're not present, they don't know what's going on. They don't know what you're saying and so on and so forth. These individuals, they have this type of fear for their awliya. And this is what uh, is, is, is named the secret or hidden fear that they have uh, yani, uh, for their awliya. This is shirk billah azza wa jal. The one who does this, he has fallen into shirk. The one who does this, then he is a mushrik. He's a polytheist. Because only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the unseen. Only Allah azza wa jal knows the unseen. But to fear human beings like this as if they know the unseen, then this is giving something that is particular and specific to Allah to other than Allah. This is to make a rival and a co-equal with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as relates to this affair. And this is yani, going back to the aforementioned meaning that we single out Allah alone as relates to his names and his attributes. Naam. That we single out Allah alone as relates to his names and his attributes. Because a person who will have this fear for one who is dead is as if they are saying that this one is it rivals Allah in his knowledge because it knows everything. Now I'm that this one rivals Allah in his hearing because it hears everything. That this one rivals Allah in his sight because it sees everything. That this one rivals Allah in his power because it, it could it could it could do something, Annie. A person dead can do something harmful to you and so on and so forth. And all of this is 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 pure rubbish, Nam. Because these ones who are dead in the grave, they can no longer help themselves, let alone anybody else. They can't hurt you the same way they can't hurt themselves. They have no benefits, nor do they have any harm, yeah, because they are impoverished, they are nothing. In any event, Doing this is to make something what equal unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is to make something equal to Allah or a rival to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah ta'ala tells us, and do not make a rival for Allah. Do not make a rival. Imam Sa'li again, he says, Nudara wa ashbahan min makhluqeen. Meaning that you make those, uh, yani, and, uh, and see them as being equal. And see them as being equal and the same as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from what? From the created things. These created things, yeah? So therefore the people they what? فَتَعْبُدُونَهُمْ كَمَا تَعْبُدُونَ Allah. So they worship, yani, and, and such that you worship these things like you worship Allah. Ibadah is specific to Allah, belongs to Allah and to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Naam. Ibadah, it belongs to Allah, is specific to Allah 
and it only belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So to give this ibadah to things other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is shirk. This is shirk, setting up partners with Allah in ibadah. Naam. So this is an example. This is what we are being prohibited from doing. Do not worship others like you worship Allah. Do not make others equal and co-equal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do not give that which is specific to Allah to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam Sa'ani he says, تُحِبُّونَهُمْ كَمَا تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ Do not love them like you love Allah. Do not love them like you love Allah. As you find those individuals, those mushrikun, that some of them, they love their awliya, or they love their false deities like they love Allah. Bel, eh, yani, they love their uh, false deities like they love Allah. Naam, wa'iyadu billah. Because they're giving what? They're giving a love that is particular and specific unto Allah to what? To other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is shirk. And the one who does this, then they have fallen into shirk. They have committed shirk. They are mushrik, the one who does this. Naam. To love these, to worship these things, and to love these things, like uh, we should love Allah, Azawajal, is pure insanity. It makes no sense. It's not logical. Naam. And Imam Sa'di, he points out uh, how illogical this is to do this. He mentions, he says, Wahum mithlukum. He said, because these things, they just like you. These things are just like you. Makhlukun. These things are created. You're created, they're created. Naam. So why is the creation worshipping the creation? That which is created does not deserve worship. Period. Who deserves worship? The Creator. And the Creator is one. And that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if the Creator is the one who deserves worship, what business do you have worshipping the creation? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. You're putting your ibadah in the wrong place. Naam. You're putting your ibadah in the wrong place. These individuals, they're created just like you're created. Maruzuqun. Naam. These individuals, they are fed. They are given provisions. They are fed. Naam. That makes sense. These individuals, they are fed. Allah Azza wa Jal, He is the one who provides for all, yet He needs no provisions. Allah Azza wa Jal, He is the one who provides rizq for all things. But Allah Ta'ala, He is uh, sufficient. He needs no provisions. Naam. So how are you worshipping things that have that, that need provision like you need provisions? Things that gotta eat like you gotta eat. And if they don't eat, then they in trouble, right? Things they gotta breathe like you gotta breathe. And if they don't breathe, then they in trouble. So on and so forth. So on and so forth, right? Makes no sense. Wal mudabbarun, those things that they are arranged, right? They're not the arranger of the affairs, but rather they are those who the arrangement has fell upon them. They are arranged. Naam. a person, they are yani, uh, uh, whether they like it or, or not. There are things in which they have no choice as relates to it. Naam. As uh, for an example, a person has to breathe. 
person can't decide, you know what? I'm not going to breathe no more. I don't need air no more. No, no. You need air. If not, you're going to die. Person can't unilaterally decide, I don't want food no more. This whole, you know, having to eat food and all that. I don't like this system. I'm going to do a new system. No more food. I don't got to eat no more. You don't have that choice. You have to eat. Now, person has to sleep. Person can't say, I'm not going to sleep. You got to sleep. And, and so on and so forth. So there's certain things that you 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 cannot avoid. Now, a person says, I don't want to have to answer the call of nature no more. No, you have no choice as relates to that. You still have to answer the call of nature. You can't, yeah, you know, you have no choice as relates to this. Okay? So you are a person who you are arranged. The arrangement has fallen upon you. Now, sometimes you're healthy. Sometimes you're sick. Sometimes you're happy. Sometimes you're sad. So on and so forth. This how it is. Sometimes you have your, your, your ups and then you have your downs. That's the way it is. You are arranged. All of us, the creation, we're all arranged. The arrangement has fallen upon us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is the arranger of the affairs. He is the arranger of the affairs. So when you look at these things in which Imam Musa'ani, rahmatullah alayhi, mentions, then all of these things point to what? They point to the, the, uh, uh, the poverty of the human beings. It points to the fact that we are all yani, uh, impoverished. We have no power. We have no might. Why? Because all the power and the might, it belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are all slaves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We all have no power, no might, and no ability. So why in the world yani, would uh, 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 worship be given to such a pathetic creature? To such a pathetic creature who's impoverished, who, who, who can't do anything, who has no power, who is poor. So why asking him for anything? You understand? That's like going to a homeless man and asking him for money. We won't go to him and ask him for money because he don't got money. The one who is deprived of something, he can't give it. We are all impoverished. We are all poor. We are all needy. We are all needy and we all need who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is what I'm, what I meant when I said intellectually he points out that what? That worshiping the creation makes no sense. These things cannot hurt you. These things cannot help you. These things cannot, yani, uh, put you in Jannah. These things cannot save you from the fire. These things cannot grant you your requests as far as yani, uh, forgiving of the, uh, your sins and so on and so forth. Huh? Nor could they uh, uh, make your spouse pregnant or bless you with uh, a wife or anything like this. These things are all impoverished. They have no power. They have no might. They have no say, so they have no nothing. Why? Because they are Allah's slaves. They are Allah's servants. They are Allah's creatures. These things that are created things. So they don't deserve anything. They don't deserve anything that belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing deserves anything that belongs unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the creation. Whether it's an angel, whether it's a prophet, whether it's a celestial body, whether it's a tree, a rock, a stone, whatever the case may be, human being, whatever. Nothing deserves anything that is specific unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That which is specific unto Allah from his names and his attributes is only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The ibadah is for Allah and for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Naam is for Allah and for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So these things, they are created like we're created. These things, they 
need sustenance. Like we need sustenance. These things, they are, their, their affair is arranged for them. Just like our affair is arranged for us. They don't own anything. They don't own anything. Neither in the heavens nor on the earth. They own nothing. They own nothing. You understand? And this is the reality of the situation. That in reality, we really don't own anything. We really don't own anything. And in reality, the only thing that benefits us from our possessions are things that we gain full benefit from. For example, like the food that is eaten. This benefits us. The wealth that benefits us is the wealth that is yani, spent in khayr. It's spent in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or like those clothes that we wear out. We wear them until they become holy. We can't wear them no more. Okay, we benefited from that. But everything else from these, from these material things, they're not even ours in reality. Because they're going to be utilized by those who inherit from us once we're dead. So that house that we may have and so on and so forth, they're not really your house. You're just holding that for a period of time and that's what you're living for right now. But when you die, that's it. Those who yani, will live longer than you, they're the ones going to benefit from, from that house. And you know what? It's not theirs because what? When they die, likewise, so on and so forth. So we are individuals who in reality, we don't own anything. We don't own nothing. We don't own not even a mustard seed in the heavens nor on the earth. Not even the Adam's weight of anything do we, do we really possess. We don't possess anything. But rather we ourselves are possession. <laughs> we ourselves are what? The property of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah owns everything. Allah owns everything. So we ourselves what? We are property. We ourselves are property. You understand? So these things in which individuals they are calling upon and giving the, the, the things that are specific unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from names and attributes to these things, these things are property, just like we ourselves are property. These things are slaves, just like we ourselves are slaves, slaves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They don't benefit you. They don't benefit you and they don't harm you. These things in reality... They don't benefit you. They don't harm you. Naam. This is the reality of this situation. Ya ibadullah. This understanding and understanding the likes of these things is of extreme importance. Because this is the aqidah of Islam. This is the true aqidah. This is what is linked to the tawheed. You understand? And... Uh, these are things that we have to know inside and out. And in particular, as it comes to the names and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to believe correctly. Naam. And in particular, as it comes to all of the categories of At-Tawheed. At-Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, At-Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah, At-Tawheed al-Asma'i wa-Sifat. We have to believe correctly. We have to believe correctly. Naam. There is no option. It is... There is no alternative, but we have to believe correctly. And that means that we have to take the time to learn. We have to take the time to study. Naam. And just like we got to take the time to learn and we have to take the time to study, we have to have the proper etiquette when it comes to learning and the proper etiquette when it comes to studying. And I'll just give some examples because this within itself can be a lecture or a series of lectures 
with them within themselves about the uh, uh, proper etiquette of, 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 of knowledge. Now, but I'll just mention some light things and from them as a reminder to myself and to others is that we have to take this ailing seriously. We have to take this ailing seriously. We can't play around with it now because it is heavy. It's not light, but it's heavy and things that are heavy. They require from us what effort they require great effort. Now, so therefore, we have to take to it uh, serious. We can't have this lackadaisical type of approach when it comes to seeking ilm. And then we think we're going to get something from uh, from the ilm. Allah, he says inside of his uh, noble book, Allah, he says, Inna he says, verily, we're going to send down unto you a heavy statement that we're going to send down to you a heavy statement. Naam? And that which is heavy, yani, it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's heavy. It's, it's, it requires uh, effort. It's, it's not that which is just, yani, uh, uh, you're going to pick it up at your leisure. You understand what I'm saying? And this is what people... They have to come to understand is that it requires sacrifice. It requires striving. It requires uh, great effort and that you put forward your time and so on and so forth. If you're not willing, willing to devote the likes of this to then you're not going to get you're not going to get it. Why? Because it's heavy things that are precious. Then they require effort for you to get at them. So if you look, for example, to the diamond, the diamond is precious. Why? It's hard to get. The diamond is precious because it's hard to get the diamond. Whereas a common rock, right, is not worth anything. Why? Because it's easy to access. Anyone can get it. Anyone can get it. Allah Ta'ala refers to the Quran as being a heavy statement. Even though the Quran has been made easy. Allah Ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ يَسَّرْنَا الْقُرْآنَ لِلذِّكْرِ فَهَلْ مِنْ مُدَّكِرْ That verily we made the Qur'an easy يعني, for a person to reflect and to study and to, and, 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 and to study it. So are there any who will ponder? Are there any who would take up that challenge and ponder and benefit from the Qur'an? So Allah Ta'ala has made the Qur'an accessible, but even with it being accessible, Allah Ta'ala, He still informs us that what? That it is a heavy statement. It's heavy. It's a heavy statement. So now what about um, the other sciences of the deen? So now what about the other sciences of the deen? They're heavy statements. So is it conceivable that we're going to get it without putting forth effort? Huh? Is that conceivable? And do we have the proper etiquette when it comes to seeking it? See, this is very important, and and let's 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 draw it home and bring an example. When there's something that is difficult from the sciences, for example, let's say let's look at the interdisciplinary sciences, uh, whatever math. Let's look at some math, right? For those math, and everybody had a struggle with different, you know, subjects. Okay, but let's look at math. When you will introduce a concept in math that was difficult for you. Okay? 
What were some of the postures that your body took? Did you slouch back in your chair? Back leaned against the wall? Feet crossed? Sitting lackadaisical slouched? And, and, and you got it? Or was your posture a posture that showed attentiveness? Perhaps even leaning forward in your desk? Pen at the ready? Paper at the ready? Writing down and paying close attention? Right now, each each one of us knows the answer to this already or one of the sciences or some concepts in grammar or whatever the case is. Huh? When stuff becomes yeah, is, is hard and, 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 and you really want to get it, you really want to pay attention. The posture is illustrative of that is that you're at the ready. You understand? So now I question everybody. When it comes to knowledge, why do we see what we see? And of course, the people at home, you're at home. But in general, inside of the Masajid, whenever there's circles of knowledge, you find many brothers where they at, backs against the wall, slouched down in their position, feet crossed, no pen, no paper. You understand what I'm saying? Is that the posture of someone who's paying attention? Is that the posture of someone who sees the the value of knowledge is that the posture of someone who sees the value in the subject matter in which we're going over Etohid is the greatest science is the best science there is no science better than Tawheed there is no discipline better than Tawheed Tawheed is the greatest science because it's the most beneficial for you is it not because with the Tawheed, you're eligible Jannah. Without the Tawheed, you are not eligible Jannah. So now what science is more important to you? Tawheed. Bila shaku bila right. So now when it comes to learning about Tawheed, are we going to take this lazy, lackadaisical type uh, of, of, of posture? You understand? To the point where throughout the course of the week, we don't study. We don't read. We come to the class. We don't have the book. We're not following along. We're not taking notes. Even without the books, yeah, subhanAllah, if you don't have the book, then you should definitely have a pen and the paper. You understand? You should definitely have a pen and the paper. But do we, are, are we approaching our classes like this? Uh, as uh, Sheikh Saleh al-Usaymi, he mentions, he says, you have people that come and they, and, they, and they take the book, they take the book of hadith, or they take the book, and they, the book that has in it the ayat, and it has in it the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu and they put it on the floor. They put it on the floor right next to their foot. SubhanAllah, very disrespectful posturing. This is how you treat Allah's book. This is how you treat the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is how you treat the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Just throw it on the floor and now your foot next to it and you like this. Come on, man. SubhanAllah. And then we wonder why we don't get nothing. We wonder why we don't benefit. You understand? But for a person that has the proper etiquette, they have the proper etiquette and seeking knowledge. And from that proper etiquette and seeking knowledge is what? Is 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 that you is that you don't put the 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 the, the, uh, the hadith upon the floor. You don't put the the Quran upon the floor and then like this. No, you pick it up. You pick it up. Naam the ulama. If you and one of the benefits you learn from the ulama, if you sit inside of their circles and so on and so forth, if they see someone like this and they have Sahih Bukhari, for example, on the floor, they tell them pick it up, get it off the floor, pick it up, pick it up, put it in your lap, pick it up, hold it. Why? Because that's not from the proper etiquette. Yani, being slouching, you know, not at the attentive, not at the ready, not having the material, not having pen, paper, not taking notes, and so on and so forth. 
This is not proper. This is not from the proper etiquettes of seeking knowledge. So it is incumbent that we do this. I try my best to mention the ayat and where they're located. Is that is that why? Just because I want to hear myself say that? No, it's, because, it's, it's, so, it's for the student, it's for the listener, that even they don't have uh, the book in front of them, they can get the text. You understand what I'm saying? Because what is important and what we should busy ourselves with are the texts of the book in the sunnah, or the text, the ayat, the ahadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And this is why I try to give mention to their reference when I remember. Sometimes I forget and, and, and I forget to, to, to say. Now, but I try my best to remember to give you that reference. Why? So that even if you don't have the book in front of you, what could you do? You write down the reference point. You write down a reference point so that after class you can go back and you can access that area and you can write it down. You can memorize it. So when it comes to a particular topic, you have memorized the proofs and the evidences that were mentioned. You have memorized the proofs and the evidences that are mentioned. Now, if you can recall something from what the Shaykh he mentioned and so on and so forth as it relates to the tafsir or the explanation of these evidences and so on and so forth, then alhamdulillah you got some, you got some ta'liqat, you got some ex explanatory notes that you have. But the origin is what? Is the proofs and the evidences. This is what the Muslim has to become busied with. A lot of our fitna that we fall into is because we become preoccupied with other than the evidence. And I'm going to say that again. A lot of the fitna that we fall into is because we become more preoccupied with other than the evidence. So as opposed to a person trying to understand what Allah says or trying to understand what the Prophet Wasallam said or going over the explanation of yani, the uh, the text that uh, yani, from the Sahaba and so on and so forth, how they explain these texts that are doing that. A person is concerned with, oh, so-and-so says something. Huh? So-and-so says something, and then such-and-such -such responded with this, and then so-and-so responded back with that, and then so-and-so responded back with this, and so on and so forth. Yeah, subhanAllah. Why? Because we're not putting the, uh, the, the, the proper emphasis nor importance upon the text, upon the book, the sunnah, upon the understanding of the self of this ummah. Our time should be spent trying to understand these things. You understand? Our time should be spent trying to understand that which would truly benefit us. Because in that, there are many benefits that comes from that. But from those benefits is that what one is saved from the fitna. They get saved from getting involved and plunging into the fitna. Why? Because they're spending their time, they're concerned about understanding what Allah said in the tafsir for it. Understanding what the Prophet Sallallahu said in the explanation for it. They don't got time to worry about you talking about this and talking about that. The same person, they don't even know how to make wudu properly. You understand? Same person don't know even more important, right? Don't even know yani, uh, uh, the intricacies about the, the aqidah. Don't even know what you should know. And you run around busy yourself with things that don't concern you. You see? In any event, we have to have the proper edip when it comes to seeking knowledge. And that starts with what? With having a proper mentality to knowing and, and knowing and understanding the importance of what you are doing. Knowing and understanding the, the, uh, the, the weightiness of the subject matter and the importance of the subject matter so that you come at it properly, not laid back, so on and so forth. Now, if the brothers are in the masajid and 
they they all lackadaisical on the wall and all this type of stuff then subhanallah at home allahu a'lam allahu a'lam but the point is is that what be attentive have pen have paper have the book if you have access to the book one of the reasons why this book was was chosen um one of the reasons, no doubt, the book is tremendous and is very important, as the title implies. It's very important for every Muslim, right? But what added to that, you know, what was, uh, you know, icing on the cake, as they say, yeah, was that what the book is translated. The book is translated. So that what? So this, so this, yani, uh, allows for an individual to study on their own time. This is why this one was chosen. You know, this subject matter comes in other books that are not translated. But then that puts the student at a, at a little bit of disadvantage if they don't speak Arabic, right? Because then they can't access, they don't have access to the text on their own. But this book is translated. This book is translated. Ma'am? So really, there should be no excuse on, on, you know, how come the only time we pick up the book is when we come to class. That really is you know, kind of defeating the purpose of choosing this particular text to go over this particular uh, subject matter. Any, anyway, any event. I digress. We got to have the proper etiquette. We have to take this more seriously if we truly want to benefit. Bithnilahi ta'ala. Sheikh Abdul Razak, he goes on and he says, فَلِلَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ لَهُ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى وَالصِّفَاتِ الْعُلَى That Allah Azza wa Jal, He has beautiful names. And He has lofty attributes. نعم. فَتُثْبَتُ كَمَا جَاءَتْ and these names and attributes, we affirm them as they have come. So this is shown where? Go back to the ayah, which was a principle, the origin, huh? as it relates to this particular topic. And that is the ayah that's found in Surah Ashura, and it's verse number 11. That there is nothing that is like him, and he is the all-hearer, the all-seer. So we find here in this ayah, here at this portion, And he is the all-hearer, the all-seer, that we affirm. This is affirming. The affirming that Allah is the all-hearer, affirming that Allah is the all-seer. That we affirm it the same way it has come. We affirm it. We don't try to give to it an interpretation. But we affirm it on the vahir. We affirm it upon what is apparent. Ma'am, Allah said he hears, he hears, he's the all-hearer. Allah said he sees, he sees, he's the all-seer, he sees everything. Ma'am, so we affirm it as it has come. وَيُؤْمَنُوا بِهَا كَمَا وَرَدَتْ And we وُرِدَتْ And we believe in it as it has come. فِي كِتَابِ الرَّبِّنَا وَسُنَّةِ نَبِيِّنَا we believe in it as it has come inside of the book of our Lord and inside of the sunnah of uh, our messenger that the same way it comes is how we believe in it we don't we don't we, we, we don't ask how why and try to give to it a false interpretation or liken it or yani, to the creation and so on and so forth no we believe in it as it has come and we do not go beyond the Qur'an and the Hadith as relates to it. We do not go beyond the Qur'an and the Hadith as relates to it. As Imam Ahmed, he said, and I want you to write this down. I don't want you to write this down. Now, you should have this in notes from before, but I want, if, if so, write it again. If not, then get it now. Imam Ahmed, he said, That we describe Allah 
with that which he has described himself with. That we describe Allah with that which he has described himself with. Naam. وَبِمَا وَصَفَهُ بِهِ رَسُولُهُ رَسُولُهُ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ And we describe him with that which his messenger has described him with. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَلَا نَتَجَاوَزُ الْقُرْآنَ وَالْحَدِيثِ And we do not go beyond the Qur'an nor the Hadith. I'm going to give you an example of this. On how people who don't understand this, these people have gone astray. The Ash'a'irah. The Ash'a'irah. Naam. They deny the ulu of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They deny the loftiness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is above everything he's above the creation he's not a part of the creation naam that he's above Allah azza wa jal as relates to this so we describe Allah as having ulu that he is above naam Allah ta'ala in his noble book he says ar-rahmanu ala al-'arsh istawa that the most beneficent is above the throne the most beneficent is above the throne so we, we say what? Allah is above the throne. He's above, he's above, he's above the throne. Right? This is how it comes inside the Quran. So we don't say about Allah that he's not above the throne. We don't say about Allah that, is, that he's not up. No, Allah is above his throne. That makes sense? The Asha'irah, they come and they say, no, no, no. We don't say about Allah that He is above. We don't say about Allah that He's below. We don't say about Allah that He's to the left or to the right, to the front or to the back. We don't say none of that about Allah. Imam Al Bani, Rahmatullah, he says that the definition that they give, and also you find from them the Ahbash, the Habashi, that the definition that they give for their Lord is the perfect definition to describe something that does not exist. It's not up, it's not down, it's not to the right, it's not to the left, it's not to the front, it's not to the back. We don't talk about Allah like that. Why? Because Allah told us he's above his throne. So we describe him what he had described himself with. Where is Allah? Above his throne. Why? Allah Ta'ala, he says, Ar-Rahman That the most beneficent is above his throne. Right. We learn, in the sun, we learn from the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that when we inside sujood, when we inside sujood, what do we say? Subhana Rabbi al-A'la. Right? That all glory and how far above, how far removed is he from any type of imperfection is the one who is the most high. Right? This is an indication that what? That Allah has ulu, that he is the most high. And we learn this from what? From the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Also, we have the hadith of the slave girl. Where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked the slave girl, Ain Allah? Where is Allah? And she said, Fissama, Above the heavens. Because fi here means ala. Above the heavens. Naam? Like, and he said, Well, man, ana. And she said, Anta Rasulullah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he said, Who am I? She said, That you are the Messenger of Allah. So the Prophet ﷺ, he affirmed that her answer was correct. He said, free her because she's a believer. Free her because she's a believer. So her answers were correct. So we learn here from this, from, yani from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, that what? Allah Ta'ala, he's above. He's above. He has the characteristic of ulu. So we speak about Allah with that which Allah has 
said about himself and that which the Prophet ﷺ has said about him. And this is an example. Now, this is an example. Now, these Ahmaj and, 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 and these, uh, these ones from the Sha'ira and the like, they come and they say, well, no, you can't say that Allah has a direction because you know, any directions and they are, you know, uh, uh, you know, whatever the case is, you know, directions are, are, are concepts, you know, that exist here in the creation, all this type of stuff. Imam al-Bani, rahmatullah he responded to them, showing them the foolishness of what they're talking about. Showing them the foolishness of what they're talking about. Because all of these things which they're talking about, these things and these concepts are concepts that exist where? In the creation. Naam, these are concepts that exist in the creation. But Allah Ta'ala, laysa kamithli he shay. There's nothing that is like him. Imam al-Bani, to show them that their understanding, because see, what they're trying to do is they're trying to... Uh, uh, they're trying to establish the fact that Allah is not like His creation. So they say, no, He can't be up because, in, you know, in the created beings, some of us can be up and others down, some to the right, some to the left, you know, this and like that. Because they don't understand what Laysa Kamifli He shade. There's nothing that is like Him. There's nothing that is like Him. Allah Ta'ala, He is where He has told us He is, and that is above His throne. Naam. But the throne, where is the throne? The throne is the top of the creation. It's the highest point of the creation. Allah Ta'ala, He is above the throne because He's not in the creation. So how would you describe that? Up. Allah is above. Right? But in any event, in any event, um, Imam Abani, he mentions some beautiful lines of poetry. He said, Allah can qabla makani wa qabla zaman. ثم خلق المكان والزمان فهو الآن كان الكان that Allah He was before the creation of time and place and then He created time and place so He is right now as He was meaning before the creation of time and place because these concepts in which they are trying to um, disassociate from Allah are not appropriate or are not applicable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he is outside of his creation. He is outside of his creation. And had they just submitted themselves to Allah ta'ala's statement that he's above his throne, then they would have not fallen into this confusion. They would not have fallen into this misguidance and being astray like this. But these are individuals who think that they know better than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is what has caused them to fall into uh, this this horrible and most awful thing. And this is why we have to learn, we have to learn our aqidah, we have to learn what is our minhaj, why? Because only with knowledge are you able to combat the doubts of shaitan. Without that, you're not able to combat these doubts. Now, without that, you're not able to combat these doubts. When the shaitan comes with the doubts that has claimed the habishi, that has claimed the, 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 the ash'ani and others who are like them, uh, for the one who has ilm, for the one who has knowledge as relates to this particular affair, it becomes easy for them because they have, well, what do you do with Allah Ta'ala's statement? Laysa kamifli he shaykh. That there is nothing that is like him. You're coming and telling me a lot that the characteristic of urlu is not Yani uh, established for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then what do you do with the ayah 
Ar-Rahman ala that the most beneficent is above his throne. What do you do with that ayah? You don't come and tell me he's not above his throne? Then Allah say he is above his throne. So are you saying you know better than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Are you saying you know better than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And see, this is how with ilm, you can repel these things with ease. With ilm, you can repel these things with ease. Without knowledge, then words can be beautified. And then what? And then now, you're in trouble. Right? So this is why it is incumbent, it is important for us that we understand the likes of these things. When people start coming and saying... Um, uh, the likes of what these ahbash and them, they be saying, oh, but there's a place and there's a, and a direction and all this type of stuff. No, because these things they are not applicable until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he is outside of his creation. Like he told us, he is. The most beneficent is above the throne, outside of the creation, not inside the creation. Naam, and there's nothing what <coughs> that is like him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So with that, uh, example, Bismillah Ta'ala, we will see the importance of arming ourselves with knowledge. We see the importance of arming ourselves with knowledge. And without knowledge, we won't have the proper weaponry, won't have the proper defense to uh, protect ourselves from the doubts that the Shayateen they throw. At us. So I encourage everyone to take classes seriously. Naam, to take classes seriously. To come prepared. To have a posture that is a posture of attentiveness. To try to be as consistent as you possibly can. Because this in, it is that which is gathered bit by bit. As the poet he said, Al-Yawmul Ilm. That today is knowledge and tomorrow is the same thing. Today is knowledge and tomorrow is knowledge. Now I'm to the end of those lines of poetry. Uh, because this is how we gain knowledge, bit by bit, drop by drop. I wasn't going to say the whole thing, but inshallah, I think it's benefit in the whole, uh, this portion of the poem. And that is, is that today is knowledge and tomorrow is knowledge as well. And from the fruits in which one he will pick from knowledge is that by way of it, an individual, he will attain wisdom. That by way of it, an individual, he will attain wisdom. Remember, wisdom is what putting everything in its proper place. In order to put everything in its proper place, you have to know where things are supposed to go. Naam, so wisdom is follow, is preceded. Wisdom is preceded by what? By knowledge. Knowledge comes first, then you can get wisdom. In any event, uh, he brings a good example and is showing us this. He says, Naam, that verily, the, uh, the stream, right? There's, there's a name for it. It's escaping me right now. But any event, the uh, the stream is a is a combination of drops, right? That the stream it comes together is made up of what of individual raindrops. Now, and what the sail is referred to here 
is uh, like in the desert. It's like the flash flood. Nam. It's like the flash flood inside of the desert. Nam. Because as you know, a desert, uh, char- characteristically, it has is is it's a dry place, right? So when the when the when the monsoon type of rains come, and they descend upon the desert, the ground is not able to soak up the water all at one time. So what happens is that you have these these flash floods that come now. These streams emerge, you know, and they start running across really, really fast and so on and so forth. This is what's called a sail, man, like this. So in any event, it's powerful and it'll, it'll drown a person, you know, knock a man off his feet and so on and so forth and drown individuals. But as powerful as it is, what is it? It's the combination of dots. It's a combination of drops. And likewise is the approach of knowledge. So every, you know, every day we take in some drops, Every day we take some drops, we take some dots, we a little here, little there, little here, little there, shea and fiche. And then what? With time, it becomes a lot. With time, it becomes a lot. This is how our approach is to seeking knowledge. So so take, for example, a person, every day they memorize a little bit from the Quran, a little bit from the Quran, a little bit from the Quran. Well, there'll come a day from the days when what? When they have they will have finished the Quran, they'll have finished memorization of the Quran. Now. And like, likewise, this, this has to be our approach, and this is why we have to be consistent. Naam, this is why we have to be consistent. Alakullihal, this is uh, what the Shaykh he mentioned as, as it relates to this particular portion. And then we go on to the next portion where Imam bin Baz, rahimahullahu ta'ala, he warned against four very dangerous and harmful and destructive things, that being tahrif wa ta'atil wa taqif. Wa tamthil, as relates to this particular uh, uh, topic of the names and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We went over that before, uh, so I'm not going to translate what those things mean at this time. Refer back to your notes, inshallah ta'ala, for those who is not coming to their brains right now. And if not, inshallah ta'ala, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala, we will go over that inside of the, the next class, inside of the next uh, uh, class on this particular uh, work. فنكتفي بهذا القدر وصلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وجزاكم الله خيرا